Welcome to the Lido Mode Downshare, one-stop shop for all things Orphan from Black. On this week's lowdown, we'll be recapping the fourth episode of Season 1, Defense of External Conditions. And, uh, what's the synopsis there, Amal? We don't care what my name is? What? Oh, you, you just said it. I said Amal. Yes, you did, but we didn't do our introductions. Ah! There's... A rationale to these things, DT. We can't just mess up the order of the episode. Yes, we can. We're their creators. We can do whatever the fuck we want. Well, I want to fucking stick with the <laughs> fucking format we introduced in week one. Okay. So, I am your announcer and host of Mall. And I am the co-host and... Combative personality. Combative personality, DT. Uh, once again, our third counterpart... Ari is gone. This is the last episode she won't be on, hopefully. So, what is that synopsis, Amal? Yes, now that we've come to the proper point of the program. People should know who we are by now. The IMDb synopsis. Don't you know who I am? Okay, go on. DT. (laughs) Anyway, the synopsis for this week's episode is While Sarah tries to track down her mysterious blonde clone, Allison fills in for Sarah on a visit to see her daughter. And there actually weren't that many key plot words this episode. Somebody gave up. No Irish wolfhound? Nope. Just, <laughs> just clone. There's clones in this episode. They're clones? What show are we watching? I don't know. I'm shocked. Is this the X-Files? I, I thought this was a kids-friendly show about unicorns. Unicorns. But apparently it's about clones. Clones. So, let's talk about what happened this week. So, uh, keeping up with uh, tradition on the fourth episode, now they pick up right where they left off in the last episode. And we open up with Helena stitching up herself in a stranger's bathroom, it turns out. And we have that screechy music again, which is really creepy, along with the, you know, racking focus frequently and... Um, she's saying, I'm not Beth, and whispering to herself. And, uh, then we go to the stairwell, and we see this little boy walking down the steps, and walking through her blood, and finding her. And creepily, she sees him, grabs his hand, and pulls him further into the bathroom, and closes the door. Which is really, really disturbing. It's gross. I thought it was okay. She she murders people, but she's good with kids. You know, here, watch me stitch myself and watch the bloody rebar on the floor. Don't, don't, don't step on that. You'll get tetanus. It was it was nicer than what she could have done. That's true. But, you know, she's bleeding and she's stitching herself up. Um, which is curious because she should have been stabbed in the liver, but she seems to be walking around just fine. I wonder why that is. She's one resilient lady. Yeah. Um, then we flash to Allison's home where Sarah fills her in on what happened with Helena and Allison is pissed off. She's like, you could have let her here. I have to protect my kids. Stop fucking around. And, uh, you know, Sarah nonchalantly is like, I stabbed her with fucking rebar. What is she going to do? Yeah, it's cool, bro. (laughs) And this is also the point where we have another clone bonding moment. Because Allison learns that Sarah has a daughter of her own. And even though she's been pretty caustic to Sarah up to this point, she sort of softens a bit. 
and uh, is intrigued uh, learning about how this woman that she dismissed as like some shifty grifter uh, also has a tiny human that she cares about. Tiny human. What a cute tiny human. How do they term that? It's, it's a child or... Kid? Yeah. Tiny human. Daughter? Tiny human's better. Tiny human? Adult in training. <laughs> Adult in training. I like that. So what intrigues Allison about Kira is that Kira is Sarah's biological child. And we know from the fact that um, Allison's husband, Donnie, is white and Allison's white that their kids are adopted because they have a little more uh, melanin in them. We're not sure exactly what cultural background the kids have, but um, we know that they're obviously not theirs. Uh, not that that means anything as far as a uh, family goes. No, still a family. Still a family. But, uh, Allison was pretty keen to learn whether Sarah's child was biological or not. Right. And, you know, as Amal said, there, it is a bonding moment. And Allison realizes that Sarah has a personal stake in this and keeping her family safe. And so she finally, like, softens and asks what she can do. And uh, Sarah just says, be available, which is brilliant later on in the episode. It certainly pays off. So, Kasima also gets in on the fun. Uh, well, she Skypes with Sarah while she's hanging out in Felix's apartment and sort of analyzes the meaning behind the knife that the killer dropped and Sarah picked up in the last episode. She analyzes like what the fish carved into the knife's handle means and how it could contribute to the killer's state of mind and why they're hunting down clones and killing them. And um, as we stated before about Kasima's character, she's very enthusiastic and curious and uh, energetic about investigating things. And uh, over Sarah's shoulder, Felix asks, what's wrong with her? She's like, quiet, she's just weird. And... uh, Classic Kasi- line. What? Classic line. Classic line. And uh, then Kasima suggests that Sarah goes back to work as Beth because they still need more answers. And Felix immediately is like, no, that's a horrible idea. And um, we see that Sarah just wants to find out some more info and then quit. She knows that she can't stay on as Beth anymore. And we also see Kasima's home for the first time, which is very what you would expect. It's yes. like lots of red, books. lots of books. Um, there's a lot of clutter, and the colors are very rich and warm. And uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, Felix ends it like. What does Felix say? Felix uh, just counts off all the other people and says my sister is sane by comparison I think it's hilarious and uh, Allison's version of being on standby is sending the kids off to her parents for the night sitting at a table with her gun her clone phone and keys and a nice chilled bottle of white wine and she sits there stiffly with her perfect posture and a very serious look on her face because when you're afraid you're going to die 
why not also enjoy a glass of white wine? Right. And, you know, this is the second episode that we see Donnie. We didn't really talk about him last episode. He wasn't available to babysit the kids last episode. That's why Felix stepped in and Donnie was golfing. And it's very clear that they don't have a very good relationship because they're not communicating. Uh, Allison clearly hasn't told him about her clone status. Um, hasn't said why she needs a night off or why the kids need to go off to her house and uh, her parents' house. And I kind of feel bad for Donnie. Yeah. Like, it was... Like, Allison was doing what she did uh, for his own good. Like, she felt like she was protecting them by uh, leaving them in the dark, but still speaks to the, I guess, not-so-healthy nature of their relationship that she felt like she couldn't share with her husband that a gun-wielding killer might be coming to attack her. Right, because she still wants to um, maintain this era of normalcy, and... She's cracking under it. I mean, I don't know how much longer she could hold this up. Um, so then we go to Sarah's Beth and Art. They go to the house where the killer abandoned the Kawasaki or Suzuki bike. And they go inside and they find the little boy. And the little boy, they ask him, like, what the person looked like. And he points to uh, Sarah and uh, Sarah's like shriveling in response she doesn't want to be pointed out yeah that's not good for her because she hasn't had the best track record with um, women who look like her and it would it mess up her plans if someone else who looked like her turned up now so she's not thrilled about this but she does offer to go and talk to the boy uh, and interview him as a witness. And even um, like reclaims a piece of evidence or retrieves a piece of evidence from him uh, as a result of that talk. Right, and it's you know one of these uh, childhood fortune tellers where you uh, fold the paper over and um, on the outside you put the numbers and then you, you know tells your fortune and uh, this is deciphered to show different crime scenes that this uh, assassin clone has been to yes there's numbers uh, on each like fold of, fold of paper and they eventually figure out that the numbers are addresses and each of the each address is a place that they've been like the spot where German died, or the spot where they encountered her and uh, she almost killed Sarah while she was pretending to be Beth, except for one address. So they decide to check out that address next. And as, as uh, Sarah's leaving the crime scene, she calls Mrs. S to set up a, to talk about meeting up with Kira. And Mrs. S is clear to say, if you let her down, this is it. This is the last chance for Sarah to see her daughter. Um, And so they go back to the police station. Mm -hmm. And they get to uh, digging through the evidence they've collected so far. You have Janice, who we met 
in the second episode, and Art and Angela, the other detectives in Beth's division, all doing their criminal profiling thing and looking over the evidence to see like, what is making this killer tick, uh, was she abused as a child, does the Bible uh, iconography she leaves around mean that she's a religious zealot, like, what is really going on in her head? Yeah, and um, they, they really point out that the killer is very precise and organized. She hasn't left any forensic evidence. I mean, except for her blood, but she didn't leave her fingerprints. Um, which is searchable in a database, not blood. Um. Nope. It's, they, they have a lot of pieces, but they still don't have enough to track this person down, whoever it is. Right. And so they were called off to go where? To the, uh, to the address on the fortune teller that they had. Right, which is an abandoned church, and uh, they have like a SWAT team type thing, the Canadian equivalent, I would guess. Yeah. And uh, as they're driving off, we look underneath the uh, overpass, and there's Helena, stands up. Just staking out the, just staking the place out. Right, and uh, it's funny, because she walks right into the police station, she's wearing a beanie, very poorly disguised. Um, you know, because Beth has straight brown hair and she has this frizzy blonde mess. Yeah. And um, she looks around and smirks and she's Raj, the tech that uh, Sarah flirted with to get all the passwords and the uh, bike evidence uh, sees her and is like, you're looking not too great. And uh, Helena just stares him down. It's really funny. And then uh, she goes to the uh, evidence room and she looks around at her own handiwork. At her own handiwork and she smiles. And then she sees that she's bleeding and she quickly covers up with her blazer. Um, she's actually wearing a nice office outfit. It's weird. Yes. She did very good coming up with professional dress for a a drifter killer. Right, and you know, the police also acknowledge that she's well trained. She's a sniper. And um, so this uh, Canadian SWAT team gets to the basement of this church, and there is a mattress in the middle of it soaked with blood. There are stick figures all over the wall, and one rather large one up above the rest with a question mark in red. And uh, one of the investigators asks if this is the next victim, and you know we get close up on Sarah's face, and she's she knows it's her. And then Helena goes to Beth's desk and funnily eats. This is our first uh, instance of seeing Helena eat, and it's funny. I mean, it's not funny, but it's interesting because it becomes funny as uh, they they return to this char- this odd character trait of hers in in future episodes. Yes. And, um, Helena calls Paul and begs him to come and get Beth out of there. And while they're in the basement, uh, Sarah as Beth realizes that she's not going to be able to make her meeting with, uh, 
Kira and Mrs. S, so she calls Felix to, you know, hash out a plan. And uh, Felix is painting nude. As he is one to do. Oh, he was wearing an apron, but nothing else. Yeah, and... Uh, and um, he... She... When she tells him, look, I can't make dinner tonight, he's like, well, you better figure something out because this is your last chance. You can't not show up because Mrs. S is going to cut you off. And between a rock and a hard place, as Sarah puts it, um, she decides to actually take advantage of the clone situation for the... I think this is the first instance of clone impersonation. Uh, except uh, for Sarah as Beth and Helena as Beth. Yes. This is the first, like, intentional, non-lethal situation where it's just like, hey, this is a convenient option. I'm going to take advantage. Yeah. Um, to technically be in two places at once, she right. tests Felix with recruiting Allison, who has been told to be available uh, to go to Mrs. S in her stead and impersonate Sarah. And uh, also, he has this awesome quote when he's uh, painting and casually says, or asks, is it, imagi- is it my imagination, or does Kasim have bigger breasts than you? Um, I just think that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so, tasked with this uh, really unique situation, Felix does indeed show up at Allison's house to ask her for help. Uh, in the meantime, Art and Beth are back to, are back at the station and immediately realize that something's off. Uh, when they come through the door, the IT guy, Raj, greets Beth like, Oh, you're looking much better than you were like half an hour ago. And she's like, what are you talking about? I wasn't here. Uh, they go into the evidence room and the pictures of the crime scenes have been rearranged into this really creepy looking stick figure and someone has eaten Beth's muffin at her desk. <laughs> oh, Sarah sits back down at Beth's desk. That's not a euphemism by the way. Yeah, it's it's an actual muffin, not not a muff. Uh, so Sarah sits back down at the at Beth's desk. No muffin inside. But there is um, pictures of Maggie Chin, the woman that Beth shot however many episodes ago, on the desk. So Beth, or Sarah, knows that uh, Helena has been here and has like sent her a message like, I'm watching you. And then uh, we switch back over to Allison's basement for one of my more favorite scenes of the episode. Uh, Allison is scandalized that... Sarah would ever ask her to impersonate Sarah in front of her own daughter. And uh, Felix takes her... uh, Takes her to task. Takes her to task and uh, retorts with, Am I to understand that she's out there playing cat and mouse with a killer clone so that your kids not end up orphans and she should lose her child because of that? And that quickly shuts Allison up. Yeah, I, I have in my notes... Felix reads Allison to death. Yes. She's the li- he's the librarian at that moment. He just gets her right together. 
Yes, and uh, then she casually mentions that she played Annette and Steel at Magnolia's at her local community theater, and he's like, "That's terribly miscast." And then she starts because now that she now that he like laid out the logic for her, she's like, "Actually, yes, I I will help." So she starts rolling her shoulders and doing her community theater warm-up exercises to get in the character. And Felix is like, oh boy, um, <laughs> you, you need a coach, honey. <laughs> yeah. He sort of appoints himself her acting coach. Definitely. And then we go back to uh, the station where they figure out that the assailant is actually a woman. Or they already found out from the little boy. And uh, Angela and... Um, are are talking about it and Angela says that it's personal between women. It should be, you know, personal mission. When a woman commits terrible acts of violence, it's usually personal. And then Art weirdly, I don't know if you read this as weirdly a mall, but she, she was like women act different, they smell different, they fight different, they look different. <laughs> I was with him until smelled it. Like, why are you sniffing these women, sniffing these women, dog? Uh, but yeah, um, it basically they're saying that something smells funny about the way that Beth has been acting recently, and they're they're concerned. They aren't sure um, if it's just because the shooting has her spooked, or if there's something deeper going on here, and she's hiding things from them. So, basically, there's another front that Sarah has to deal with while she's in Beth's shoes. Right. And, uh, you know, Paul shows up. And uh, Beth is like, nope, didn't and call you. As if she didn't have enough problems. Or rather, Sarah as Beth. And then Paul lets it slip that Sarah wanted to quit the force. And this is news to Art, and he's understandably pissed off. Yeah, so now he really wants to know what the hell is going on with Beth and Sarah is just trying to get out of there and not have to explain or come clean about everything at this point. Right. And it somehow she gets out of it and tells Paul to just go home and that she's fine. And then Cosima uh, comes into the picture because Sarah calls her. Um, after taking pictures of all the the branding that Maggie Chen had on the back of her neck of the fish that's on the handle of the knife and um, she figured, she puts it together and says holy watershed, Helena and the woman Beth shot are related she never told me this and uh, Helena later confirms this or our assailant later confirms this by saying that Maggie helped create the clones, but later saw the light and returned to the church and wanted to help take out the rest of the clones. And it's really funny because Cosima's waving her hands and rolling a blunt, and uh, she says this line uh, To extreme creationist, type, creationist types, the clones would be abominations. So they hate us. And um, then she goes on to say something really succinct an abused loner that was told the only way to redeem herself in the eyes of God would be would be to kill off other clones would take to that very seriously. Does that make sense? Yeah. 
basically she's um, spelling out the assassin clone's motivations and in the process uh, humanizing her and saying uh, this person is not just some evil killer who has no rationale like she's a product of her circumstances and she may not be uh, fully aware of the implications of her actions right and um once she's off the phone with Kasima, Art says they'll have the, re- the facial reconstruction on Katya done soon. Which is worrisome because as we know, they all look alike. And so it's going to be like, is that Sarah? Is that Beth? Who is that? Yeah. Huge question mark uh, coming up. What's next? And then Helena calls a... Sarah is Beth up at her desk and sends her an email with an address and an email confessing to killing Maggie Chen. And this compels uh, Sarah is Beth to go meet Helena at this address. And um, we don't know what this address is, but we later find out that that's where Maggie Chen died. No, not insignificant. At the same time, Allison and Felix have shown up at Mrs. S's house. And Allison is fully in character as a swaggering Cockney drifter <laughs> um, version of Sarah. And uh, she gets past Mrs. S, but not Kira. Yeah, Kira sniffs that shit out like immediately. <laughs> She's like, you're not my mother. Yeah. And uh, Allison as Sarah goes, of course I'm your mom. Who else would I be? You look just like her. And then she's like, what do you call me, monkey? What else? Monkey bum face. And then Allison drops the act. And at this point, I want to point out how, how much I love Kira as a character. I've said that in past episodes. But this is the first instance where we really get a hook on who she is or like who she's she'll be as she's older. Um, she's a no bullshit type character, even though she's six or seven here. But also, Allison does not try to keep fooling her. She immediately drops the act. She respects that Kira knows that she's not her mom. Um, and part of that is Allison just being like, I don't want to disrespect this kid. It's ridiculous. I should try to do that. But she also recognizes that Kira is very, very smart. Yeah. And I think that's important. And to have, you know, a lot of this thus far a lot of the series is about you know autonomy personal autonomy and safety and self-determination and fate in your life and they're not trying to force this kid into doing anything which is awesome and allison as she drops the act tells kira that her mother's out being brave to keep you two safe so you can be together and then intercut with dangerous thing that Sarah is doing, uh, namely going to the location that Helena sent to her, which turns out to be this apartment building in the Chinatown neighborhood of the city. Uh, and she she breaks into the apartment where Helena told her to go, and they sort of like, measure, or sort of like size each other up this is their first, or this is their 
first prolonged face-to-face meeting, uh, not including that encounter in the alleyway <laughs> last episode. Right. They, they finally um, learn, or Sarah finally learns about Helena's um, motives and her background from Helena herself. Uh, she learns that, or she figures out that, uh, like we said before, Maggie helped create the clones, but then defected back to this uh, extremist Christian organization, and that the organization has been grooming Helena to take out the other clones. And she also intuits that uh, Helena is so gung-ho about this, and so, like, such a trusting believer, because she was, uh, Helena was told that she is the original clone, and that she's hunting down these illegitimate copies of her. Right, and I want to go into uh, costume design for a moment, and also hair and makeup. So we have Helena, and we have Sarah slash Beth, and we have Allison and Cosima. And Helena's the only blonde one. Um, she has dark roots, so we know that her natural hair color is brown. And she's wearing a white dress, and... You know, when she's on the phone with Sarah before, she was self-harming again with the razor on her back. This is all, this all goes towards this religious imagery where she's, you know, pure and white and angel-like. This is the basis of her motivations and how she really understands the world. And she clearly thinks that she's better than everyone else. More pure. And, uh... She tells Helena that she's been brainwashed, tries to convince her otherwise, and uh, tells her that whoever told you that you are better than us hates you as much as you hate us. And she asks um, what happened to her, but also to stay back, and Helena advances and asks Sarah if she could feel it, and she's confused for a moment, and Helena says, a connection, we have a connection. And Sarah's obviously really perturbed. Yeah, so while this is going on, Art has been uh, doing some digging back at the station. He finds the um, impression in the writing pad from when Sarah wrote down the address that Helena sent her and uh, looks it up in the police database and realizes, oh snap, this is the same place where Beth shot that lady uh, last month. I'd better get over there and make sure that she's okay. So, as Sarah and Helena are getting to know each other, he's busting into the apartment building with his gun drawn and uh, really on edge, just trying to make sure that Beth is okay. So, as they're uh, having this conversation with each other, uh, Art interrupts them by knocking on the door to the apartment and then Sarah has to make a choice really quickly to either uh, have this clone that she just met captured or to let her escape and basically set this killer free. Yeah, um, I mean, I think at this point she wants to keep her family safe and in the long run, that's keeping Helena free 
and investigating her further and not having her locked up so the police are aware that there are multiples of the same people and looking to who Kazi is, who Sarah is, who Kasima is. And um, I think that's very foretelling of Sarah's growth as a character because, well, not foretelling, but very uh, telling of who she is becoming because, you know, in the pilot episode, it was very me, me, me. Today, not tomorrow, I can get this shit done. And now she's she's being grounded even though she's she doesn't want that. But now she recognizes the bigger picture and that she plays a bigger part than she knows and that's more important to figure out than whatever's going on right now. Yeah, starting to play by the rules of the game, so to speak. Right. And uh, we go back to Allison saying goodbye to Kira and uh, she says, she tells Kira that she needs to lie and pretend like it was Sarah. And so she goes along with it and says, goodbye, mommy. And uh, Mrs. Zess believes it. And she's impressed. And she's impressed. And uh, Allison, showing some growth on her part as well, really looks out for uh, Sarah and is like... Um, make sure that she actually has a chance to like meet her daughter. Yeah, and uh, casually sets up a, a pickup after school for Sarah so Sarah can walk here home from school tomorrow. Which was awesome. Go Allison being a team player. So what was your favorite part of the episode? Uh, I don't know. The whole thing was really good. Uh, if I had to pick a favorite, it would probably be uh, Allison actually going to bat for Sarah, which she never would have done like two episodes ago. And uh, just having that intercut with um, Sarah uh, putting her life on the line for the other clones and confronting Helene. I think that that has to be my favorite part as well, especially the back and forth between Felix and Allison. You can see it's the beginning of a very good relationship, friendship. Yes, they are one of my, one of my favorite pairs on the show. Your bro TP. <laughs> What about quotes? Quotes. Uh, the, the one of uh, probably when Felix read Alice to death. <laughs> I just like the term read to death. Yeah, it's a pretty good one. Um, and also, I'd like to reiterate that I love her little chat with Kira and that she didn't lie to Kira. Yes. And didn't make Kira question her own perceptions. Kudos for not lying to your kids. Kudos for not being ageist. Parents take note. Yes, parents. Whoever's listening. That <laughs> if dog. If you are a parent. Yes. Okay. So, Aaron, did you know that as of Monday, August 31st, we've had a total of 66 listens on SoundCloud? Well... That is 66 more than I expected we'd get. Because yes. I'm a pessimist. <laughs> Are you? No. And also, I don't know our download stats for iTunes. I'm trying to figure out how to get that. There should be something available, but whatever. If any of our 66 confirmed listeners work for iTunes metrics, please reach out to us. Yes. 
And also on Tumblr, we have three followers in total. And then over on Twitter, we have a sum total of five followers. Woo! <laughs> one, I'm really glad we have Orphan Black Podcast, which is the number one fan podcast about the hit, about this show. For now. For now. We're gunning for you. We're coming. I'm just telling you right now. We have Mandy Cat, Eden B. Jacobs, Darren, and I'm going to mispronounce this. Excuse me. Seattle's DVDs, which I don't know what Seattle's is, but hey, hello. Sounds like a reassuring software. Really? Yeah. Seattle's? Seattle's. Yeah. The. the the personal planner you always wanted. Okay, I can see that. Alright, so questions for our listeners. Especially those of you who have children. What are your nicknames for your children? Because mon- Monkey Bump Face is pretty amazing. It is. It's, it's definitely in my top five potential child nicknames. <laughs> what are the other four? Um... <laughs> Dolphin elbow, uh, chin face, um, kangaroo pinky butt face, um, porpoise. I don't know why I keep going to, like, adorable mammals, but yeah. Did you know dolphins are just gay sharks? Those, that's, that's an insult to sharks. <laughs> dolphins are rapists. They, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> Saying about gay people, Erin. Not that. You you insinuated that yourself. I did no such thing. No, it's it's like a scientific fact. Like marine <laughs> biologists are like, yeah, those dolphins. You don't want to be around them when they're randy, because they'll they'll take you under and <laughs> do stuff to you under the water. Alright, I'm not gonna go swim with the dolphins anymore. Don't. You're, you're better served with sharks. They'll just eat you. Dolphins. Hmm. Okay. They'll yeah. play with me first. Yes. <laughs> you will so not like it. It this is. Very appropriate. All right. Listeners, do not nickname your children anything with dolphins in it. I, I apologize. Strike that nickname from the record. How dare you. Uh, so, moving on. My other question for our listeners is what was your favorite moment of this episode and why? Hmm. What did I want to ask? Uh, if you were working in Beth's police station, how long would it have taken you to notice that Helena was posing as Beth? Because... That IT guy, like, walked right past her and looked at her and was like, Gee, Beth, you look like shit. Not, who are you and what have you done with Beth? Thanks, <laughs> Raj. Yeah, not suspect at all. So it's horrible. How many minutes would you have lasted before you realized that a Ukrainian ex-monastery person was impersonating your, your co-worker? Exactly. It's ridiculous. We love this show, but 
That was a stretch. It's a little ridiculous. Bit of a narrative, a narrative ballet there. Is very flexible. Mm-hmm. And I think my final question for you is, what exactly is Paul doing? Aside from being like a blow-up Kendall? I think you just answered your own question. <laughs> he's His job is to sit there or stand. He, he's multifaceted that way. He can do both. Uh, and look pretty. I, just the, the moobs, the, his man chest, yeah. chest area. I, I was remarking pronounced. to him all that... Uh, Paul or Dylan Pierce, um, more realistically, has a nice little man shelf going there. Oh yes, you could put several drinks on it. <laughs> no problem. But I think his character is also inverting the classic female objectification aspect. character trope. And uh, a stray observation, I really enjoy that. Kasima's only role in this episode is getting high and marveling through the computer. It's it's a, it's a good gig. All right, you know where you could reach us: the Lita Lowdown at Twitter, Tumblr, and Gmail, and you can also reach reach us by phone at two zero nine Sarah eight four. We look forward to hearing from you. Over and out. Goodbye. <laughs>